Hello, everybody, and thank you for tuning in to the Liberty Report. With us today is Chris Rosini, our co-host. Chris, good to see you today. It's great to see you too, Dr. Paul. Thank very, you. Very good. We have a subject to talk about, and uh, we can find a lot of things to depress people, but that's not our job. We're supposed to point out the problems and give them encouragements because they're usually explainable. They're usually just dumb mistakes. And our only job is, is to get the politicians and the professors of all the universities and all the special interest groups in Washington to change their mind. So we just have that little job to do. But we want to talk about the mess that group of people I just mentioned has created. They've created a monster and people are getting scared. Uh, we've been through wars and depression in the past. Thank goodness the war, even though they had to find a war to get involved, is nothing like World War I and World War II or Vietnam and all this. But, uh, but they, they also have created a monster when it comes to uh, getting involved in medical care and giving us still the residual and the potential of it getting much worse of the, of the lockdown. What a monster that has been in cutting away at our, our civil liberties. And uh, certainly they have uh, very little understanding of uh, the correction that occurs when governments spend too much and inflate the currency. And there's a lot of problems out there and the people are suffering. And we want to uh, today, Chris, talk about that, but see if we can find, you know, the fallacy. How's, how's this thinking all gone wrong? I mean, uh, you know, it's not a partisan thing. Uh, we've had Republicans and Democrats and even some people who call themselves libertarians and constitutionalists, they, they fall into a trap of uh, th thinking that uh, government has a big role in it. And they do. My first argument will be the government creates these problems and it's going to have to be something outside of government and a change of some ideas that will come up with a solution. Chris? Yes, Dr. Paul, we're talking about money and its definition. And, uh, you know, the best way I could think of to uh, try to explain this is imagine if you had like a yardstick and an inch or a foot were no longer a specified distance. Uh, imagine if they were arbitrary and you wanted to put up some buildings with these arbitrary definitions of inches and feet. Now, what must happen to any type of structure or building that you're able to cobble together. It's going to collapse. You know, mathematics and is, is necessary for, for building. Now, would any amount of propaganda or censorship change the result of what must happen if you're dealing, uh, you know, with inches and feet like that? No, it wouldn't matter. No amount of censorship would change the result. No amount of propaganda saying everything's okay would change the result. Well, let's move now to money. And we don't have to imagine this because it's now currently our reality. What if the lifeblood of the economy, the money, what if the definition of that money was just wiped out over time? It didn't just happen in one day. Uh, what would happen to the economy? Well, eventually it's going to collapse, just like a building. Anything you're able to cobble together with an arbitrary money that can just be counterfeited at anybody's whim, and they counterfeit now by the trillions, it's going to destroy the economy. Now, it can any amount of propaganda saying everything's okay, everything's okay, or any amount of censorship change the result that must occur? No, again. So, you know, money must be defined again. It's not an option. And, uh, you know, there's no way around it. And that's the point we try to make. 
Well, you know, it reminds me of the biblical story about the advice given about uh, building a house on sand or rock, a solid foundation. And I guess our economy, if you want to make the comparison, has been built on, uh, on sand and it's vulnerable. And I think people are terribly frightened and they rightfully so because they're seeing it collapsing and yet they don't uh, grasp, you know, how it happened, what did it, and uh, what, what, what we can do to solve the problem. There was a study after the uh, collapse in 2008, uh, a government study, and they said, well, the whole thing came down because there weren't enough regulations. They didn't deal with, you know, the uh, confusion about the monetary system and the monopoly control of interest rates and all this. They said, if only government would take care of these problems, they should have had more regulation. And that is a per pervasive argument in Washington. They're not going to say, well, we shouldn't be doing ABC. We shouldn't be involved in telling, uh, telling people when they have to get uh, vaccines all, all the way down to every, every little thing that we do they just say well we should do it and if it doesn't work we didn't have enough regulations so that's that's one of the arguments they have they just didn't have enough regulation and lo and behold uh, that fallacy someday may wake some people up and say well maybe maybe uh, that's wrong maybe what we need is less government maybe uh, instead of doctoring up and having central economic planning and telling people what they can do and what interest rates should be and how much debt there should be, maybe people would wake up and say, well, you know, sound money is a pretty good instrument. That means the uh, founders may well have been correct. Have, have sound money and there'll be a limitation on debt because uh, if, if the government had to have, have money to spend, whether they're fighting wars or welfareism, they'd have to take the money from somebody. And then there would be a limit. But they had to get rid of that if the goal was to have big government, because otherwise the people, the people would be uncontrollable. It would be total anarchy if we, had, if we didn't have the government there to regulate these things. Yes, and, and they're all well motivated in thinking that any time you argue the case for liberty and sound money, uh, that you're arguing the case for <clears throat> for a catastrophe. But the truth is, the, the fallacy of believing that sound money and more government regulations can solve our problem just isn't true, and they've been doing that. And, you know, I talk a lot about uh, the most recent bubble. I don't talk about it just being two years ago. I think uh, 2008 was a big year. But if you really wanted to deal with the problem we're talking about, you have to go back to, to uh, 1913 with the introduction of that monopolistic economic control, the uh, Federal Reserve, something the founders never uh, assumed would be there, did not permit it in the Constitution. And uh, yet that's the big problem. But in the uh, more narrow sense, uh, since 2008, things have been getting very, very, very bad. And the conditions are such that the people are wondering what is going to happen. And unfortunately, unless uh, there's a lot of uh, waking up to do, and I'm not talking about wokeism, I'm talking about people waking up to common sense and sound economic and property rights. And uh, maybe maybe taking a minute or two and read the Constitution and find out that there are some rules there that could solve our problem and bring about prosperity. Chris. Right, Dr. Paul. And what we're in for, unfortunately, we have to face reality, is it's not good. The recession, most likely depression, will have to be bad because it was papered over, like you mentioned, 
so many times, especially in 2008. They just printed money, printed money to make it appear like everything is okay. But appearances are not always reality. All you have to do is watch any magician. He will make things appear uh, a certain way, but it's not true. It's not reality. You know, and it's been prolonged so long, this everything bubble, that now finally it has caught up to them, all these trillions that they've printed, and prices are skyrocketing. It is now obvious to everyone. You know, it's not uh, just a few people uh, pointing it out. Everybody can see their supermarket bills, their gas bills, and uh, all their other bills. And the only tool that these people have, the Fed, the government, in their warped view, is to print more money because that's all that they do. When things go uh, downwards, they just print more money. It'll make it seem like everything's okay. But printing more money at this point will only make the prices skyrocket even further. So it's either destroy the money or let a depression happen. That's the situation that they put themselves and all of us in. And we're only in this situation, like Dr. Paul said, because we have a Federal Reserve. Without the Fed, these problems do not exist. There's problems for sure, but not these problems. And with sound money, these problems do not exist. But the Fed and the government do not want sound money. They want this. They want to create money and do whatever they want around the world, in this country, everywhere. It's only when the people themselves want sound money that the Fed and the government will have no choice but to give in. You know, like, like I said, it started really with the uh, Federal Reserve and there, there was a maintenance of some, uh, you, you know, calm and quiet for a while. But when the depression hit, which was created by what we're talking about, the inflation uh, to build up a boom and the 20s boomed. And then there had to be a correction. And that's the inevitability. Uh, this is the one thing that Mises uh, talked a lot about in human action is that when you distort the de definition of money and you create money out of thin air and artificially manipulate interest rates, it ends up in a boom and a bust. So people who predict the bust, which the Austrian economists generally do, uh, they're, not, they're not saying that they're uh, you know, clairvoyant. They're just saying they're common sense. If you do that, there's going to be excesses and uh, there'll have to be a, a correction. It's sort of like saying it, people should compare it to an individual or a company that's still living under honesty and not quite the system we have today, is that when a person spends too much money or the company goes into debt, they don't, they don't look immediately to get a bailout. They have to, they have to solve their problems. They might have to declare bankruptcy. They might have to uh, uh, you, you know, downsize their business. They might have to start paying their debt. They might have to work harder. But they have to get rid of the burden of the debt. And, uh, but governments don't do that. They, do, they, just, they always get rid of the debt by devaluing, away, devaluing the currency. So, so the uh, liquidation of debt occurs, but it's a much more dishonest and disruptive manner. And that's what we're in the middle of because the debt is out of control. And uh, the, the race is on can we maintain order uh, by uh, liquidating this debt as we are without the whole thing coming down 
on us. But more recently, uh, you know, in, in the 34, that's when they started realizing that we are on a course of the bankruptcy because that's the first thing Roosevelt did was take away the right of American citizens to own gold. Americans couldn't even own gold for 40 years, you know. And then there was 1971, uh, we had a promise we'd pay foreigners at least uh, to protect our international finances that we would pay uh, gold out at $35 an ounce because we were printing gold printing money like crazy so that was a big event but since that it's just been steady downhill as far as the value of the dollar goes and the best measurement of that long term is the dollar ratio to gold and uh, that that is something that the government watches very carefully and will do what they can to fudge that figure as well to make sure that the truth can be delayed for as long as long as possible but uh, just the most recent n numbers are that, you know, in, uh, in 2008, uh, the uh, debt, our national debt was $10 trillion. $10 trillion, just that reason. <laughs> oh, it's okay. We upped them on this one. Now it's $30 trillion. That's historic, and it's, it's insane. It's absurd. And, and most people say, yeah, that's unsustainable, but it keeps, keeps moving along. And now, what, what, did that, what did that happen to do? That debt that was being run up had an influence on what the Fed was doing. So back there in 2008, the M2 money supply was $7.5 trillion. That's a lot of cash, I'll tell you. <laughs> so we need more cash. There's always a shortage of money. We have all this money and all this inflation. But the answer by the people and the business people in the banks, there's a shortage of money. So right now they're trying to catch up. So now we have almost $22 trillion worth of money floating around out there. And conditions are getting worse. They say, well, we'll pass it out more fairly. We'll give it to the middle class and the poor and the rich and the foreigners and the wars and everybody will get an equal share, which is a total farce. That's a total fallacy that it does exactly the opposite. The rich get richer. They get the money first and the poor get poorer. And the one thing that causes the uh, social crisis is that there's a big discrepancy in the distribution of wealth uh, in entirety. That is that uh, the poor uh, do get poor and a middle class gets wiped out, which was a prediction by Mises. And uh, they, 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 they do this and, uh, and then the people get sort of ups upset with that. They, they, they lack, uh, they, they get poorer and poorer believing that th this will, will do it. But wages never keep up with prices. Even, you know, when um, they try to, minimum wage, uh, you know, I remember, well, we're going to deal with this in the Depression. We're going to make a minimum wage at 35 cents an hour. Well, that, and when it, went, when it went from 5 to 15, I thought, how's the market going to absorb this? Because they'll never catch up. So they did do that, and they mandate their way, which uh, tends to maybe uh, bankrupt some marginal businesses. But they go and they mandate it to go up to $15. But it doesn't keep up with the price increases. That's why people are angry. A lot of, you know, jobs have been good. People, you know, so far, I don't think in reality they are. But there's people, you know, there's people out there want uh, want to get, uh, there's still a demand for, uh, you, you know, workers and uh, employees. 
But uh, it, the, whole, the whole thing is, is, is it won't keep up, it'll get worse, and that will be the source of the social conflict, and that's why the door is open and is wide open now because we see the chaos of wokeism under the movement of cultural socialism, cultural Marxism, and uh, because there is this uh, discrepancy. So uh, we, we do have time to correct this, but the odds are very, very bad because I did, the debt will be liquidated. That's one thing we know for sure. But what will we do afterwards? That's the big question. <clears throat> but it will be liquidated, and it won't be like an individual has to do get another job and work harder. It'll be liquidated by governments passing out junk money. And I'll say, oh, I owe you a million. Here, here, I'll give you two million. I'll give you a bonus for, for waiting. It, and most people with common sense figures out that doesn't work. But still, they can't let loose uh, of the dependency of government and those who think they can get help and those who want to control the power system and fight their no-win wars and do all their other nonsense. Chris? Very good, Dr. Paul. I'll finish up. Uh, you know, we do live in amazing, fascinating times. You know, those who have done this to us, who have destroyed the definition of money, counterfeited, like Dr. Paul pointed out, they're predictably very arrogant and full of hubris, you know. Uh, not only do they believe, they say this all the time, that they can manage an economic collapse, but they will build a utopia afterwards when it's all done. It's built back better, green, or, uh, great reset, uh, all, the, all that fourth industrial revolution. I mean, they're not shy about, uh, you know, that they're going to build this new world on top of the rubble. Now, they imagine it, that, the, uh, that doing this is like taking down a building or like an old stadium. Just knock it down and we'll build a new one. Well, number one, they didn't build the world economy to begin with. The economy consists of seven billion people all making seven billion different decisions every single second. It's not built by a handful of people. It's as decentralized as it can get. Uh, next, uh, like taking down a building, people are not concrete. We are not steel. You know, we are thinking, choosing individuals, that we have our own imaginations. We resist, you know, when somebody is trying to get us to do what we don't want. We adapt to situations, and we are always acting to achieve what we think is best in the moment. So all these utopia builders, you know, that's why they have a 100% failure rate throughout all of history. That's what history is. You look back and look at all these things, and it just keeps getting repeated over and over with different flavors, different technologies, but it's the same story over and over. So they knock down, but they build nothing on top. <clears throat> you know, the, the one principle that we live by, that we try to advocate, is that tyranny destroys and liberty builds, and that's why we're for liberty on the Ron Paul Liberty Report. Very good. Thank you. Uh, you know, it's, um, an, it's a truism as far as I'm concerned that uh, if an individual lives beyond its mean, individual or corporation <clears throat> or a government or anybody, <clears throat> if you live beyond your means, you will be forced to live beneath your means because you're borrowing into the future, you're borrowing money, and you may be doing it by physical force, so there's always a price to pay. And that's what we're in the midst of right now, is we have lived way beyond our, me, uh, our means, 
and there's a lot of fake wealth out there and it's being maintained because the dollar around the world is still acceptable more so than others but all you have to do is read the business news and you find out there are some other countries that don't like us too much uh, we meddle too much and we have too many sanctions on them and we've been bombed too many countries and we have uh, a lot of interference and they would love to destroy the dollar as the reserve currency of the world i'm not worried about the foreigners destroying the value of the dollar I'm worrying about Americans destroying the value of the dollar. If we if we lose the reserve currency of the world, it'll it'll be our fault. And they all end all the uh, reserve currencies end. Uh, uh, you know, eventually, mostly because they spend too much money, they go resort to inflation, and they get involved in too many wars. And uh, it looks like we've been doing all of those. Um, the other uh, fallacy that goes along with this is is the CPI. You know. Uh, for years now, they've been working on, you know, a little bit of inflation. You know, the economy was booming. There were market forces that were uh, increasing productivity, and uh, prices did come down, and people were getting wealthier, and they, a lot of people still are wealthier. Uh, but it's, it, it's, uh, it's more or less temporary because it's borrowed. It's borrowed money, and, uh, and yet they, they have this uh, belief that uh, if the economy slows up, which it has been, they say, well, a good sign of a healthy economy is that prices go up, which is nuts. You know, if prices go up, that means you're losing ground. It's going the other way. And uh, so, but, but they, they thought that, they still think, people say, well, that'll be healthy. We'll get the prices moving. That means people are spending money and pushing the prices up. The truth is, sound money and a, and a free market economy generally increases the value of your money and prices go down as long as the government would let that happen. So, but there's a lot of people thought that. And then, now you wonder, uh, people would say, including myself, they say, how can you argue this case that it's important to get inflation, price inflation going again? Why is Venezuela and Zimbabwe not doing so well? And uh, right now, Prices are going up. Did that correct our problems? No, no, it made it made it a lot worse. Now I want to close with something I've said before that always caught my attention because I w had a, an opportunity over the many years to talk to several, quite a few of the people in the Federal Reserve, and even you know many times the chairman would come twice a twice a year to the banking committee. So. Um, but I would point these things out and uh, say, well, this, this is not good. You know, what are you going to do? He's, and, and they say, well, they wouldn't say that can't happen. You're, you're off the tangent. This can't happen. Prices, uh, you know, can go up and there could be problem. But they also had great confidence. We can handle it. Uh, we can handle it. But if you if you have these uh, corrections that were built into the system, they, they came back with a word, and not just one person. It was sort of, they were conditioned to say it. These, these changes that seem to be negative and dangerous, as long as they're orderly, they're okay. You know, it's sort of like gradualism where you don't notice too, too much. Well, that means they can get away with more without being noticed. But uh, as long as it's orderly, I would say that... Uh, 
their fallacies now have created a situation where things are disorderly and it's time to change the monetary system. It's time for the American people to wake up and find out what living within our means mean and what it's like to live in a free society. I want to thank everybody for tuning in today to the Liberty Report. Please come back soon.